Hey, welcome to Tangible Takeaways, episode 104. I'm Jackson, and today I'm going to talk about uh, not running after the flashy stuff and the stuff that feels quicker, but embracing something that's a little bit slower. And I'm George, and I'm looking forward to talking about a simple but profound concept of faithfulness. All that and more on this episode of Tangible Takeaways. Pastor George, thank you for being on. 104. Congratulations. I mean, they just keep stacking. It's crazy. Week over week. It's like I'd say the same thing about my kid. He just keeps growing, yeah. you know, and apparently the same thing keeps happening in tangible takeaways. Yep. So. Just got to savor every single minute. Every little one. Yep. Yeah. So um, thank you for being on. I I'm so it. honored to be here, yeah. Jackson. Fun to have you back. Yeah. Um, let's talk before we get into stuff about Ruth. Um, let's talk a little bit about one of our GoFund Kingdom projects as we're seeking to raise $100,000 before the end of the year to fund nine different projects uh, all across the world. Um, there's a couple of church planting projects, and one of them specifically is new to us. We um, worked with uh, Portrait Church last year, right, we did. so some people might remember that. But then there's another church in Florida, I believe, called Honor Church. So tell us a little bit about what that project is and a little bit about that church. Sure. I appreciate that. Well, maybe a lot of people don't know we're part of an association of churches called Transformation Ministries. I happen to be able to serve on the board, and I have the opportunity to interact with church planters. And um, in fact, uh, Todd and I were able to be up at a meeting with church planters, and mm. we met the young couple that are planning that church wow. in Orlando and just had a delightful conversation, loved their heart, loved their passion yeah. to reach the lost and really decided like we want to be a part of that. I mean, it's not just that they're part of the same association of churches that we belong to, but they also have that same passion to see um, people changed in their relational worlds. And mm. so what a great uh, opportunity for us to partner with a like-minded uh, congregation on the other side of the country. Yeah, that's so cool. And such an exciting, um, it's so exciting when we get to be a part of the start of something, you right. know, and be a part of just seeing what God's going to do in and through that. Like, it's even so fun this year, knowing that we helped the Stovalls last year right. to be able to see like, wow, their church plant is up on wheels. We're helping them with their kids facility now this year. Like, that's really exciting as well. It's just so fun to get to be, we get to have the great benefit of so much of the work and things that and money raised and all of that that's gone into making HTC what it is today. Right. It's easy to forget that that's not a life cycle that many churches are at where right. they get to enjoy so much of the benefit of kind of this rich history that we've got. And so being at the beginning of something, man, there's so much excitement there, but there's so many needs as well. Right. And so it's so fun that we get to step into that. And I think it's going to go far beyond just the financial partnership that we share, but the yeah. relational partnership, I think, will pay forward. Because just like you said, I think churches like HDC and other churches that have been around a while can also share a wealth of information and knowledge. And so I look forward to not just those financial partnerships, which are huge, yeah. but then the relationships that will extend over time as we could just help them with um, institutional knowledge, the wisdom yeah. that comes from doing this. 
for so many years. Yeah, that's so true. And so cool. I think for people who don't know the work that um, you do specifically in TM that we belong to and just even the um, partnership that that is for HDC to get to really right. pour into a lot of other churches and be influential in that space. It's just, it's a really cool kind of opportunity right. there. So I'm glad people get a little bit of a glimpse into that with this as well. Yeah, I think it's going to be so much fun. Yeah. So if you want to give to those projects, as always, don't forget, you can head over to our website. You'll see uh, that opportunity there right there on the homepage and you can see how much we've raised. You can read about all nine projects. And if you feel led, you can give to help support that as well. Um, as we talk about this series that we've been through in Ruth, though, just give me maybe from your perspective, uh, Pastor George, some stuff that you're kind of taken away or stood out to you. What are some of the things that um, were interesting or new to you or any of that kind of stuff? Oh, man. I love the Old Testament. I love to read through those stories. And, man, so many things. I, I just have to say, though, for you to step in kind of at the last minute and take a couple of those, man, what a great job. And mm, I'm, I'm saying that, you. Jackson. I was so blessed by both weekends that you taught. But I think I've been uh, really resonating on last week's. Um, you read a quote from John Piper mm. that I'm still just reflecting on. Mm. And um, it's actually just causing me to shut my mouth, <laughs> you know, which I, you were gentle. You didn't yeah. say shut up. Yeah. You, yeah. you basically said close your mouth. And um, I, I just needed that. Mm close my mouth and just be listening. What is God doing? Because um, I think even before you and I went on the microphone, we were just talking about challenging seasons in life. Mm. And man, it's easy to complain. It's easy to question what God is doing in this season and, and to whine and to complain. Those things come natural. Yeah. But to shut our mouths and see God's sovereignty and what he is doing. Um, and then, you know, when I think about my own life and then I think of everything that Ruth and Naomi had been going through and the just where they were at and realized, man, my life, my life's not quite that dire. Yeah. And man, just so powerful. Yeah. It, it is such a, there's, there's a few of those stories in the Old Testament specifically where it's like, wow, these people went through a ton and we get the benefit of reading it relatively quickly when they're living it for, in the story of Ruth, a decade. And then in, I think of um, another one that sticks out to me that's so powerful is, is David's story in mm. being anointed king. And then he waits 22 years right. before he rules over uh, an entire unified kingdom. And we read through that story relatively quickly. And we're like, well, there were some twists and turns, but they're twists and turns that take 22 years to develop. And we lose a lot of the time that happens in these stories. And I think as we understand the time that's involved in them, it should hopefully be encouraging to us to say, man, the stuff that I'm going through feels sometimes feels like the end of the world, sometimes feels like right. too much for me to handle. And I think we'll find in our lives there's always room to complain about something. We will never find... A, a, a spot in our lives where there are no complaints. And if you have that season in your life where you're like, wow, there's no complaints right now, it will end very quickly. Yes, it will. And that's just a regular, the temptation to complain is regularly before us. But I think when you read of these biblical heroes, their stories, you see, first of all, well, my life's not actually that bad. Right. And then secondly, though, you see, man, the great faith that these people have right. in the midst of such harder things than what I'm going through. And it, it's got to encourage us to be people who would be silent 
mm-hmm. in the complaining, yeah. you know, and be patient and willing to trust that God's going to see it through. Because what we see so consistently in Scripture is like, wow, these are beautiful results that come out of all of this. And we see that in our own lives. It just takes a long right. time to develop. And I think I'm in that season where, it, you know, your word of encouragement was so appropriate. Just keep my mouth shut. Mm. Trust the Lord and see what he's doing. Mm. And then you, um, I forget exactly how you put it. You can remind me, but about how um, just the ordinary, um, you mentioned toward the end of your mm. message, just yeah. how God, um, <laughs> excuse me, uses those who maybe are more ordinary, but just consistent and, you know, not these superstars that stand out. And I... I just really resonated with that. And I think so many people, Jackson, might have these dreams about man or maybe even maybe a little bit of anxiety or um, concern in their own spirit because they're like, wow, I'm not the super. I'm not Jackson Arnett and I'm Mm -hmm. not up teaching this weekend or Todd or someone like that. You know, I just I go to work and do my job and I'm kind of just a plain, ordinary guy. And I and I think. We looked out the Old Testament, and that's exactly who God uses. Yeah. Just the people who will show up and be obedient and faithful. Yeah. It's so interesting. I think we have such a weird thing right now in the church that's that's particularly a problem because we've developed such a celebrity culture, Mm -hmm. such a— Um, And in many ways, it's great because the church is more connected than it's ever been, which means we know who all of the best and most influential pastors in America are, right? Right. So there's pros to that for sure, right? We get to hear and learn from them, and they've got great insight and great gifting, and so there's some wins to that. The con is is that we see these hyper-gifted, hyper-talented people. We think, oh, those are the people that God uses. Those are the people that that do special stuff for God. And me, I— I don't do much. And I mean, as much as uh, people in congregations might think their pastor is that person to them, that they do special stuff, their pastor is looking at somebody else saying, well, I'm really not that special. I'm just a pretty average, ordinary person. And at the end of the day, when you get to the root of it, I think most of us, very few people feel like I'm exceptional. Most people feel like I'm pretty ordinary. And when you boil it down, my life looks really ordinary. And we can really struggle to be motivated to obey when everything feels so ordinary. When things feel spectacular, we're super motivated to obey because it's really public and people are going to see it and notice it and all of that. I I find that that's Jesus's number one critique of the Pharisees is that they're Mm -hmm. only interested in uh, a great line that I read uh, in the Gospel of Luke. They're only interested in justifying themselves through other people's eyes. And I thought, yeah, man, that is, good. that's a line. Like, I mean, that's Jesus, bad, but that's a good line. Yeah, but Jesus says that himself. And I just thought, wow, how have I never caught that before? Because I am so interested in obeying in front of other people and making sure that other people are well aware of my obedience. But then how hypocritical am I when nobody's looking right. and when the stakes seem so much lower, when they really aren't, but in my mind, they feel so much lower. It feels so much more insignificant. Right. And I think if we can bring some level... The, the beautiful thing is, is that I think the biblical teaching isn't that those things that look significant are insignificant, but it's that all of these moments of obedience are of equal significance. So if I can heighten my view and my value of the significance of obedience in the quiet spaces and the private spaces and the spaces where nobody else is going to know except me, and if I can heighten the value of that, well, now every time I obey and step into obedience, 
I'm actually going to feel pretty special, pretty extraordinary because I'm stepping into these moments of great significance in faith, even though it feels like it's a pretty simple, small thing. Right. Hmm. You know, just listening to you say that, I realize that, you know, we're, we're sitting here with the benefit of history. Mm. And I wonder if, if we were looking at Ruth's life from picking and, you know, gleaning in a field, and then maybe a new mom yeah. of a little baby that she and Bo's, Boaz had, and just changing diapers and feeding a baby and cooking meals for her husband and doing all those things. Like, at what point, point in Ruth's life would someone have said, man, this woman's exceptional? Yeah. Except for the view of history looking back yeah. at what God did through her. And I think that's the problem that we live in that celebrity culture. Like you said, it's all about, am I looking famous now? When the reality is those faithful people of old, we only see through what the Bible's recorded throughout the past of a, of a long yeah. life lived in a single direction. Yeah. And I think that is so powerful because, you know, I think you know this, Jackson, you mentioned two of the of four the only four ladies listed in Matthew in the genealogy of Christ comes in you know were mentioned there in your message at yeah. Ruth, uh, Ruth and Tamar you mentioned yeah and um, Bathsheba and Rahab they're the only four women yeah. that are mentioned by name in the genealogy of Jesus Christ and I just find that fascinating because none of those women were stellar yeah. Like from a from a perspective of the world, right? You got a foreigner, you have a, a prostitute, you have well, both two women, basic prostitutes, and yeah. and then you know, obviously Bathsheba's story isn't one of of great yeah. repute, but God includes them because there was something about their faith and even how their their faithfulness, um, even though they were flawed people, and God used them incredibly. And I man, I think that's something important for us to remember. Yeah. And it, it and those are such interesting people in the genealogy of Jesus because it shows, a, this is not a genealogy of holiness, right? No, this right. Is, that's not the story of Jesus's genealogy. It is, first of all, which is beautiful, Jew and Gentile, right? It's not just this unique people exactly. of God all the way through. It's mixed. It's the it's the whole people of the world, very broken, very sinful, and of those four women. If we were living, and, and they were part of our communities, they were attended High Desert Church, none of us would look to them and say, wow, these are people of great significance. We probably might wouldn't even, have a podcast or a book out. <laughs> yeah, we, we probably wouldn't even really, we'd probably look down on them in many cases, you know, not even honor them or revere them, and yet they get the great honor of being included in this genealogy of Jesus. and And... They each seek obedience in their own ways at their own moments. And I, I think there's just something so beautiful about each of their stories because it shows us, man, whatever whatever I'm faced with, it's not about, man, how do I get to a book deal? And how do I get to, it, it just feels like so much of our approach to our faith is about how what I'm doing can translate to a microphone and a megaphone to reach people instead of the real significance and the real value of what I'm doing starts with being disciplined and faithful mm. 
that's the, I want to be crucified into the image of Christ. And if I start there, it's not about how being crucified into the image of Christ makes me a better person behind a microphone, makes me more compelling or more interesting. It, you, if we can find a way to throw the microphone to the side and say mm -hmm. that that's not what it's about at all, but that it has always been about being faithful and disciplined in the way that we follow Jesus and right. seek to look like him and live like him, I, I just think people will find so much more genuine people in their faith, that we will become those people who are genuine in our faith, that that's really what's compelling to other people. I, I look at this wave of deconstruction, and there's a lot of contributing factors for sure, but I can't help but think that one of the predominant ones is that most of the people age demographic-wise are about my age that are doing this, and most of them grew up in homes where they saw their parents be Christians, but not live like Christians. Right. And that's a, that's a common theme throughout where they see this hypocrisy. They see this divorce between what we say we are and how we live. And if we could just become a people that are not about the outward label, but about the inward discipleship, the inward right. devotion, that that flows out and becomes the label. It becomes the outward persona, but we're always trying to get the outward persona before we fix what's mm. going on inside. And that I is just so think, true. how typical. Right. So I, I think there's such richness about this story, right? That's what I think is so, it, it is so fun about it. You see, it seems so insignificant on the surface and there's such a richness to it and hopefully that's what our lives look like as, as you were talking about uh, a life lived in a single direction you know for a long time i was thinking about how most of the time with somebody who's really faithful in their approach to life and following jesus a lot of people really find out the depth of that at that person's funeral hmm. yeah that's right so true. you hear the way that people talk about them the way that it's not just that their wife said, oh man, this was a man of great character, or their husband said, man, this was a woman of great character, but it's that then you hear their siblings talk, then you hear their friends talk, then you hear their coworkers talk. And as the list, it's like, wow, this person mm -hmm. was the same and so genuine through all of these things. And, and I think that that's really, instead of trying to get our name on a book or in a podcast or whatever, like, that's hopefully the people that we aim to be are people who at the end of our life, it is just so abundantly. And what do we say about those people so often, man, they just don't make them like this anymore, right? Like this is just so rare. And in a, a world where AI is trying to make everything faster and cheaper and quicker, if we can become a people who, who get deeper, I think that's going to stand out in ways that like it never has before because everything is moving for fast and for loud and for as many people as we can get for just a moment versus let's go deep right. and, and truly be transformed. And, and I think as I reflect on that, like what, what would you say, George, are some of the things that we can, as we're walking away from this series in Ruth, what are some opportunities that we have to apply some of these themes of obedience or uh, of patience even in our trials? Where are opportunities that we have to apply those things to our lives? I, you know, there's just one word that kept coming out. It was faithful. Mm. Just because when I look at Ruth, she is incredibly faithful. From the beginning when Naomi tells her, hey, return to your own people. Go back home. I have nothing to offer you. You know, she 
makes that profession that, you know, she will go where Naomi goes, her God will be her, you know, her God, though that whole, um, that whole thing that she says to Naomi is a beautiful tribute to her faithfulness. Mm. And then she goes and does what needs to happen to protect Naomi, to yeah. like care for her, to make sure they have food on the table. She goes and gleans and she does exactly as um, Naomi even instructs her to do. Every time I look, she is just faithful, mm. even to the weird requests. And you yeah. did a great job of covering, hey, go lay down by his feet and cover yourself. And everything that was said, she is just faithful. Mm. And I think I think I was just resonating with everything you said, whether it's in your marriage, it's in your parenting, it's in whatever that looks like. Are you faithful Hmm. every day, Uh, faithful in in your own uh, time in the word? Hmm. Like how faithful each and every day are we to open up the word of God and read from it and to spend time in prayer for our spouse, for our kids, for our nation, for our churches, for our How about the people on our Oikos list? Every single day, could we be called would we be said even at our own funerals that person was faithful mm. yeah I, I just think that's my takeaway are you faithful yeah. day in and day out to what god's called you to do and i think the convicting thing about that is it's so interesting how we always want to run on to something before we really develop faithfulness in an area it's like we just want to run on to the next thing and we want to what's the gospel 2.0 how can i like move on to more senior christianity and it's like man the the greater maturity in our faith is becoming more and more faithful disciplined and consistent in these very simple practices that the saints of Jesus Christ have been practicing for a long time. It's not about finding some new way to commune with God. It's about being faithful to the things that are already before us. And as we do that, I just find that there is, there is life there that we're missing out on because we keep looking for the shiny thing and the flashy thing when consistency and faithfulness, that's where the power is. That's where transformation is. Start a new year. I mean, yeah. we're getting close. We're on the cusp. Have you have you read through the Bible one time? Yeah, all the way through, cover to cover. Man, what a great thing! Starting, you know, get a get a Bible that make them that have you know a reading plan to get through the Bible in one year. Yeah, read through the whole Bible in one year. Yeah, I mean, be faithful somewhere, like you said. It's that's not rocket science. It's nothing new. Just read the Bible. Yeah, what yeah. a great place to start. Uh, I just think, yeah, that's such a well for us as especially in America, we can run past faithfulness, seeking everything else. And it's like, we're missing out on all of the life change, all of the transformation that can be found in faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not quick, it's not fast. And so that part bugs us. But right. as we lean in and we're faithful and consistent in those things, what I think is so true and what I've seen in my life, I know what you've seen in your life as well, is as we're faithful in those things, the other things that we've been seeking for change and transformation in, they come. Yep. It, it comes as part of that faithfulness, as part of that depending and abiding in Jesus, that leaning into relationship with him, understanding that he is what sustains us. He's what gives us life and power and the right. ability to go forward. And when we do that on a regular basis, we live transformed lives. And so if transformation is what you seek, beautiful we all do like we're all looking to be transformed and renewed but it doesn't start with you going and reading this one book that's revolutionary or finding this new technique that nobody's ever talked about it's going to be in being faithful yeah that's so good 
Well, thank you, George. I appreciate that. That's encouraging to me and I, I think hopefully to the people watching as well. Well, your messages, his last two are super encouraging to me. So thank you for being faithful in teaching us the Word of God. Yeah, thank you. Um, well, hopefully been a good conversation for you tuning in. And uh, as always, uh, if you've got a takeaway um, from our series or our study in Ruth, just be, uh, be sure to leave that there in the comments. And don't forget to like the video and subscribe so that you get future videos as well. Uh, that's all we have for this week. We're going to be on break until the new year for tangible takeaways. So you're going to miss us for a few weeks, uh, but we'll be back in January as we dive into our series in first Peter. We hope you enjoy our new Christmas series that launches this upcoming oh, weekend. Yeah. It's going to be a fun one. Yeah. Hope you have a great Christmas. Uh -huh. Merry Christmas. Yeah, yeah, for real. All right. We'll see you guys next time.